and welcome to EQ's podcast and our Without Boundaries series. Here, we share ideas and practical solutions for how regulated business can make positive change. In this episode, we discuss the challenges of adapting quickly to regulatory change and the roles of people, process and technology. We hope you enjoy listening. Good morning. My name is Martin Kisby. I'm Director of Compliance for Equinity Credit Services. I'm joined today by Steve Peacock, who's Chief Risk Officer for Opla. Good morning, Steve. Morning, Martin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Would you mind just giving a quick overview of your role and what Oplo do? Yeah, I'm, uh, I've recently appointed Chief Risk Officer at Oplo. And what we do as a business, we're a lending business uh, in the consumer market. And we have three core product lines, home loans, doing largely second charge mortgages. Uh, we do personal loans and we do, uh, we're just re-entering the car finance market, having sort of paused over the last 12, 18 months. And and I guess in terms of customer profile, you know, I think the, the, the way it would be described, which is a, a bit of a misnomer, but a traditional way of describing it is probably predominantly near, near to subprime market. But I think that's, as I say, it's more of a, a misnomer now. We, we cover all range of customers from prime all the way down. In fact, increasingly prime. And I guess that what we've seen as a business is that there's almost this new mainstream developing in terms of this tranche of customers, quite a sizable tranche, that uh, require credit and and you know and their finances can be quite volatile and they can be, be quite transient between different different ranges. So we we play in that sort of emerging spot really. As a multi-sector lender, um, how do you cope with the, the the regulatory change or the requirements from the FCA? Because obviously you know there's an awful lot coming from them from mortgages certainly for mortgages and motor finance more recently um but obviously consumer credit lending there's always been that that tranche of of information coming from the fca certainly kind of vulnerable customers and affordability etc so how, how do you as a business cope with those you're right i mean the volume that comes through i mean particularly over the last sort of 12 18 months with covid has been it's, it's been full yeah. on and i'm sure we'll, we'll get into some of the, the impacts of covid and what that means and how that's influencing the regulators thinking as we as we get into the chat I think we, we rely on a lot of sources. We, you know, we obviously you start with the regulator, you look at what the regulator's publishing, you, you know, and, and the classics of consultation, policy statements, but also speeches. You get a real good flavour for where the regulator's mind is from speeches. Yeah. I, I guess as well, and again, we won't be probably any different than any other firm, you, you rely a lot on trade bodies and, you know, firms like yourselves in terms of the briefings that they provide and what comes through, along with the professional services firms. And I guess increasingly, you know, and I guess I've, I've seen this across a range of firms, is that the interpretation that on, on certain more technical aspects that come through, particularly on policy statements, you know, you will invariably go and get uh, a piece of advice, you know, from a legal e- expertise and firm yeah. and their, their own view on it as well. They're, they're increasingly providing publications on consultation papers and the like and policy statements. So, you, you know, the, there's a real... There's a real sort of ecosystem developed in terms of a range of sources where you can get either, you know, an informed view of what a, what a piece of consultation, shall we say, looks like. And also perhaps a bit more granularity and a bit more detail in terms of where the regulator's mind is, because invariably a lot of these firms have been involved in helping the regulator shape and yeah. develop this thinking out over time. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, certainly from our perspective as a platform provider, um, we, we deal with, you know, clients across multiple sectors such as yourselves. And the interpretation of the rules sometimes uh, is, is where the difficulty lies. You know, we 
provide a compliant platform. We want to ensure that, you know, what what our clients are asking us to do conforms to the regulation. Um, but like you say, you've got to be able to interpret it in a certain manner. You know, we have to go out and get external legal advice at times to make sure that, you know, our our way of thinking and the client's way of thinking kind of conform to each other and, and conform to what the regulator says. Um, do, you, do you think sometimes that the statements that come from the FCA are overly ambiguous, giving rise to obviously the different interpretations? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a really good point. I mean, I think, you know, fair, fair dues to the regulator that, you know, you and I both know that they've got such a, a broad and wide area that, that they cover, you know, what to the tune of about 60,000 firms of all varying degrees and complexity. And I think when you look at how some of that, how some of that landscape has changed, particularly over the last five to 10 years, you know, with the advent of almost like a step change in the use of technology to provide financial services and this new phrase of fintechs now being around. And, yeah. you know, there's a difference between uh, you almost got like a, a financial services firm using tech to provide financial services products yeah. and a tech firm being able to provide financial services products. There's almost like a, a sort of thin dividing line between the two, really. And I think some firms have been caught by not really particularly wanting to be financial services firms, but just wanting yeah. to be tech providers. They've been sort of caught in the crosshairs of the, of the regulator, which is which is understandable. So I do think in, in that regard, you know, the FCA in particular have a really tough job in trying to sort of deal with all those size of firms. But to go back to your original question and, and perhaps to give a direct answer, yes, I think be, because of that, yes, there are instances whereby it's very clear from some of the forums I've sat on, you know, and I've I've sat and attended not just in this role, but in previous roles, uh, you know, meetings with the FLA, meetings with UK Finance, you know, yeah. other roundtable events. And just by listening to the attendees, you get a real sense that they, they're trying to find their feet in terms of what does it mean? What, what, what's the right answer? Yeah. And, and I think, the regulator is trying to give a view, in fairness, to them, but is also trying to sort of give a view more in terms of this is the principle we're aiming for, this is the outcome we're aiming for. And it's when you get into the devil in the detail, really, what does that actually mean? And, yeah, I, I think there are times where definitely more guidance and definitely bit, perhaps being a bit more prescriptive yeah. would help, really, you know, because th there have been instances where there has been a bit of second-guessing and, and the proverbial scratching of chins going, well, what, what, what about this situation? What about that situation? Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I think my, you know, my very crude barometer of listening to a range of firms is that, you know, everybody has struggled with that from time to time. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, and I think... I reported recently on LinkedIn an interesting fact that there's over 300 million pages of, um, of financial services regulations. I know, I saw that. Yeah. I you read them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and this is it, you know, the, the risk and compliance teams within the financial services businesses, you know, like yourself and, you know, like like me, we have to try to somehow fish what is important out of this, out of this raft of, of regulatory papers that comfort that you know meets our business requirements so it, it's, it's really difficult and i think that's where you know obviously you have strength in your trade bodies and your, in your round tables that you're able to sit down with like-minded individuals from similar sectors to try to interpret what the fca or what any regulator is really trying to achieve and then how that meets your business requirements and your objectives as well yeah um, i think i think that's a really good point and, and again you know every every 
individual from another firm that I've interacted with at a round table or whatever it is, you know, I can absolutely say hand on heart, there's, there's a massive sense there of, of, of wanting to do the right thing and, and you know, get, get it right. And and I think the if there is a frustration, I think sometimes the frustration is, well, you know, what 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 is the right thing that we're looking for? Are we missing the point? Where where is that extra clarity really? And I think that's that's always been a challenge. But as I say, it's I think I think in many ways that's healthy. You know, I think it's one. I think that shows again just where financial services is in the UK, and it's in, and it's in, in, in by and large is in a pretty good place. I would say in terms of that thinking and where people how people are thinking about the consumer regulation and everything like that. But you're almost getting that perfect storm now where it's it's the complexity that's coming to it in terms of how do you think about what do you do, how do you do it, what are the rules, yeah. how do you do that, and then. You know, there's the natural commercial pressures that come along with any any commercial entity, regardless of whether you're in financial services or not. In terms of how do you grow a successful business? How do you how do you do it? And and I think yeah. it's it's a tough environment sometimes to work in, undoubtedly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about COVID because um, you mentioned it at the onset. Um, obviously, uh, the pandemic caused the FCA to have to react quicker than we've probably seen them react or have to implement certainly changes quicker than we normally see them. Obviously, we get a consultation paper. You've usually got around about nine to 12 months before you need to implement something. Obviously, with COVID hitting, uh, obviously, the payment holiday requirements came in pretty quickly. Um, how, how did the business that you were at, at the time adapt to that? Yeah, so I mean, from an upload perspective, I wasn't I wasn't enrolled, and it was it sort of predates me. But but from yeah, again, obviously, I've picked stuff up as I've I've been here and been enrolled. Uh, reacted to it really, really well, and I think what most firms, and certainly all the firms that I know, did is that they they took the the spirit, the direction, what the the, the specific ask, if you like, and moved to it fairly quickly. So if people needed a degree of forbearance, whatever mm. that might be. They, they they went ahead and did that and, and you know and, and made it life as easy as they could for, for their respective customers you know in terms of understanding their circumstances providing the right level of forbearance in terms of suspending payments payment holidays whatever it yeah. might be uh interest along the way i think some of the challenges came sort of once they'd started that process i think absolutely put the customer first I think some of the challenges for firms came after that in terms of well, how do we how do we deal with this going forward? What do we mean? What do we need to do in terms of the loan agreement? What do we need to do in terms of the documentation we need to send out? Yeah. How do I need to think about reconstructing the loan and, and everything like that? And I think that's definitely caused in some ways just, just those natural questions in terms of what's the best way of, of applying this. And I think I think as an industry, my sense is that we've sort of got through that by and large. I think we've sort of found it. I think it was because it was different. It felt, you know, a bit brave new world. This, what, what do we do about it? I think we've sort of come through that. And I think most firms have reacted to it. Well, again, from, from what I've seen at Oplo, we've done a really good job there. You know, the customer has been at the heart of everything we've done. and, And it was good to see that sort of sentiment absolutely sort of at the forefront, which I think was, you know, absolutely the right thing to do. You know, and if I look at how customers are repairing themselves now and how they're yeah. coming out of COVID themselves, you know, we've got very few that, if, if any now, that are left on, you know, sort of those temporary arrangements and, you know, and, and, and are back on an, an even footing. And I think that the relationship we have with our customers is, is very strong because of what we've done. I'm sure it's the same for other firms. I think yeah. if, if I take my other company that I worked for before 
we didn't do lending there. It was a payment services business, so slightly different. But um, again, you know, there were options, you know, because we had a fee paying current account. Again, we, we, we applied, even though there weren't any particular forbearance measures that came out for fee paying current accounts, we, we applied the same sort of thinking there in terms of yeah. understanding customer circumstances. Look, you know, it, it was either £10 or £15, you know, every, every pound matters to you, particularly for that customer segment. And again, applied those sort of that thinking there in terms of suspending fees, making sure customers were treated in the right way. Again, different dynamic because it's not a loan and bound by a loan agreement. So it's, it's not as complex to, to repair that. But again, I think that it was absolutely the right thing to do. And it was good to provide a broader range of advice to those customers who did have other lending products. So yeah. I think that worked that worked well. But I think you know your observation around the speed by which things came out, yeah, um, yeah you know, it, it was. I'd probably say it's probably a tough an experience in terms of the last, certainly the, the first half of of last year up to about sort of August time last year, as I've ever experienced because. Yeah. Largely because of the uncertainty, you, you you know you didn't know how long it was going to go on, how hard it was was going to be, yeah. you know, as, as well as dealing with your customers, which you, ha- you absolutely have to do as a firm. You're also dealing with your colleagues as well in terms of keeping them safe, being able yeah. them and their loved ones as well, their families, getting them off site as quickly as you can. You, you're sort of going through a, a, a quite a bit of. You're equipping them to be able to do their job so you can keep the business running so you can meet your customer needs and it was it was probably as as, as demanding you know what four or five months as, as you'll ever experience in your life in terms yeah. of dealing with it the internal impacts as well as the external impacts so I think to say how firms dealt with it and how they've come through it and you know yes definitely lessons to be learned there always are with these things you know but I think overall pretty good and I think you know, going back to the point we've, we've talked about, about principle-based regulation, you sort of saw the principles in place there. Yeah. You know, let's, let's just do the right thing here, what, what the right thing is. And I think, you know, and I think that the, the proof was in the pudding, as they say. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Certainly from, from our client's perspective, we saw, you know, a lot of them looking to change the systems quickly. Um, but it was more to adapt to that customer requirement rather than actually... Yeah. What, what are we doing with the loan? What are we doing with the interest? How are we, are we putting it on the back end? Are we, you know, increasing the payments, et cetera, et cetera? That was all second, secondary to actually making sure that the customer was in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. and, then yeah. and then you know, it was it was all about making sure you know after that, after the customer was you know pretty much sorted out, it was then right. How do we conform the system to to do what we needed to do in terms of the repayment schedules, et cetera, et cetera? I think one of the interesting things for us is we've also seen a lot of clients. Um, adapting their product for to future proof, so you know building in this this payment holiday schedule into uh, into their into their product, um, which I think is a good thing. You know, obviously, yeah, agree you know that. we had the respite moratorium come out in in May, um, which obviously gives that sixty day hold on um, on any activity um, once a, once a third party is involved, etc. But I think they're wanting to go a bit further than that, so they're almost preempting this. You know, uh, another pandemic, if you like. You know, if another pandemic should hit, or if if a customer should ha- just have a, a significant um, um, life event, which they don't necessarily need to go to a, a third party management company to deal with, but it, it's it's almost getting built into their 
Yeah, I, I think, that, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point you make. I think one of the things that, you know, we perhaps as a country have been have been guilty about, and, and it's not unique to the UK, I think most of sort of Western Europe in particular and, and America got caught by this, is that we, we weren't particularly equipped to deal with the pandemic when it came, you know, and no one in some ways could have foresaw what it was going to be like and how hard it impacted, but you can see you know from every aspect of society how it how it impacted so and i think from a if you take it down to a financial services a product level yeah absolutely i can i think that's that's a pretty sensible thing to do and i think a lot of firms i would echo what you say martin have absolutely started to revise how they deal with that i think i think the only thing that i would say that's probably driven that as well and, it, and it, again it's sort of gone hand in hand with this is, is sort of the, th- the the whole focus on vulnerable customers and, and yeah. vulnerability as a topic. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, even predates the pandemic by some way, there's been a lot of development and evolution of that thinking around what vulnerability is, you know, what guys it takes, you know, and having different systems and ways to deal with it. And I think if yeah. you look at, I always think if you look at how financial services has evolved, particularly in the retail sector, it's, you know, you, you, you're far more than just a lender now or far more than, than a current provider, current account provider or a payment services provider. You know, you're having a, a quite a deep and un, un, meaningful understanding with your customers to understand a lot of what they're going through to be able yeah. to, to, to meet what they need just to service their account or service their payments or whatever it might be. So actually to sort of think about, well, as through you go through product design, and again, it talks very much to the FCA's paper that came out recently on this at the start of the year. It, I think it's really good practice to start thinking about, you know, that, that deeper thinking around what, you know, what are the trigger points for a customer as, as well as a firm? Yeah. And how do I how do I keep that engagement? You know, I think customer engagement all the way through and making yourself easy to do business with. Is, is is absolutely you know a, a massive step forward in, in, in many of this and, and a massive yeah. and a massive win um and, and again you know going back to what we said about right at the start about the number of firms and, and the variety of firms that the regulator regulates you sort of look at the advent of technology and technology is great it does a lot of things there's definitely you know an upside for firms in terms of what it means for their costs and everything yeah. like that and potentially what the value it is that it provides onto customers through their products but also, you, you, you know, firms have got to think about how they interact and how they deal with their customers. It's not for everybody, you know. You know, no. there's some people embrace it. Someone, some very want more and more tech, you know, want chatbots yeah. and things like. That. Others don't. Others want a complete human contact. So it's it, again, that's a that's a piece for for firms to consider as well as you know, just in general, everyday servicing. Then then you've got the vulnerability overlay over it as well, which could take, I guess, as we as we know, takes many forms. So yeah, in, interesting times, really. Yeah, it's an interesting point about um, technology over human interaction. Equinity um, Credit Services do a market research every year, um, and, and from that research last year, we actually found that there are more people uh, wanting to have human interaction than actually you know doing it online or doing it via chatbots, like you say, or, or web assist. Um, which is interesting because it's a, it's it's a it's a shift from three or four years ago when no one wanted to speak to anyone, uh, everyone wanted to do something online. So systems started to get developed. But as the systems have been developed, people have realised that actually speaking to someone can gain, you know, they can get a better understanding of the circumstances. That you know, you can put in place specific forbearance options to to assist that customer. 
So there's definitely the benefit there. Certainly we've seen specialists appearing in the market as well. So specialist call centers uh, who are taking, you know, taking vulnerable customers from, from some of the big lenders and dealing with them, you know, as a, as a BPO service because they're, you know, they're specifically trained to manage those. So that, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think that's a good way to go as well. You know, if you've not got the, the size of business that can handle vulnerability uh, as well as potentially a specialist is, is outsourcing that responsibility. Yeah, I, I think it's like it's like a lot of things. I mean, I think there's a place for technology and, and technology has always been there. Technology is yeah. always constant, you know, it, it's not a new thing at all. Um, and I think you know, using technology. I think what we've seen is, you know, the advent of smartphones, you know, and people, what they can do on those and, and yeah. wanting things done very, very quickly. And, and in some instances, wanting that, you know, traditional sort of retail Amazon type experience and wanting it th- that way in financial services. And, yeah. and I, I get that. I think there's a place for that. But I, I do tend to agree with what you say. I think there's, there's definitely a need and, and maybe it's a, a cultural aspect that comes with financial services, particularly, you know, in, in the UK, you know, people are used to speaking to uh, somebody on, on on the end of a phone or, or or via Zoom or Teams or whatever it might be these days. So they can have that human interaction so they can ask and explain it. And and I think, you know, and I, and I, and I get a real sense that firms are, you know, completely savvy to this from, from my engagement is that, we we sort of have to consider the financial literacy of of people in the UK. So you know, well, you know, if I take my daughter who's seventeen, nearly eighteen year old, while she's very very adept at using her smartphone to do all sorts of weird and wonderful things on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the the one thing that that really strikes me is is that the sort of that generation and and probably the the, the generation before her their knowledge of financial services products and what they get is, is, is I would say is generally low. Yeah. You know, so I think recognizing that as, as a risk and how that, you know, you know, if you go and speak to sort of most, a lot of people say, explain to me what a mortgage is, particularly sort of in that, you know, yeah. 16 to 25 year old age range, just to put, you know, as, as a general statement or wrapper around it is, you know, there, there won't be many who quite understand what what that means and they won't be able to understand what a credit card is and what the difference between a credit card and a debit card is all these basic things so i think technology is great absolutely and it's and and it's there to be an enabler but it shouldn't be the only way of doing it or technology should be using a way that enables customers to do it and but also recognizing that not everybody understands what even some of the basics are within financial services let alone some more complex products you know that that they could, could be faced with in the in their lives no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I've got a daughter exactly the same age, 17, going on 18, um, and her financial, you know, astuteness is, is, is I would deem quite low uh, in terms of her understanding of, of, you know, financial services and what the products are, et cetera, in the market that she's going to come across. You know, we're looking for unis at the moment, and it comes with, you know, a, a raft of different things that you've got yeah. to consider. <laughs> and then, you know, she, she's she's a bit oblivious to it all, to be fair. She just thinks that she can choose a place to go and it'll all be sorted yeah no mine's mine's the same to a certain extent and 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 i mean i do feel for me and i mean i'm one of my sort of sidelines is that i'm uh, i'm a trustee of uh, of an education trust which has a sixth form college as part of it and and you know from time to time i, I do a bit of interviewing with the students 
just to sort of get them ready for university, asking them some sort of competency-based questions and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, they're all really bright kids, you know, the ones that are going to university, you know, they've got aspirations to do things in medicine and pilot, be pilots and things like that. So they're not, yeah. you know, they're really sharp individuals. But, you know, we we did have a, I did have a couple of conversations with with a couple of them, you know, and these are 17, 18 year old kids. And some of the stuff around financial services products, they were completely oblivious to, you know, they understood, they knew what a bank account was, but, you know, even some of the the detail, and it's not that detailed really around what a, what a credit card is or what a debit card does or, you know, yeah, what yeah. mortgages and how it operates and what the consequences are of missing payments and things like that. And, and where you can go and get help in particular is still a bit of an anathema to them. So, you know, I think one of the challenges I think that, you know, we all face in, in the world of financial services is while we're trying to deal with today's problems, you know, in a post-pandemic world, in a post-Brexit world, what all that means, how we're trying to sort of develop, you know, deal with our own businesses, how we're trying to get cost efficiencies into it and be slicker at what we do, and which is all the right stuff to think about. There's also that continual risk, you know, that's there and isn't being addressed, as in our next load of customers that are coming through, that next generation, actually, they're, they're going to want finance. They're going to want to understand what... Yeah. A, you know, what, what current account is, what an overdraft is, how do you deal with loans, those types of things, what it means if you know about what affordability means and everything yeah. like that. And, you know, that's that's going to be a big challenge. And, again, that's the type of stuff, when, again, if you come back to some of the thinking around vulnerable customers and product design and even to the customer duty stuff that the FCA is talking about and rightly yeah. so, you know, it's almost like the next evolution of conduct risk and approach to customers. You sort of think, well, actually, if you look, there's a real example there of the next generation coming through. What do they understand and how do I have the right products and services to meet those individuals, as well as people who are already, you know, into the financial services world because they're already in the world of work in particular. Yeah, yeah. no, I completely agree. Um, just change your tact a little bit with thinking about the FCA released their business plan in July, which was later than normal. Um, and I think that was pretty much down to the pandemic to be fair and uh, just making sure they wanted to get get the areas right um what do you see as the key challenges um certainly for, for your sectors uh coming out of that business plan um i think it was an interesting business plan i mean in some ways you could say it was it kept with a similar theme and tone of previous ones but yeah. obviously heavily influenced and colored by coming out of pan the pandemic and also yeah. Brexit as well to a, to a point as part of that. I think the the big you know the the obvious stuff that came out of it was was you know we've touched on it quite a bit and I won't labour the point was around vulnerable customers, yep. products, what that means, make sure the right value and everything like that. Technology, um, you know, from a lending perspective, it, it's around affordability, you know, and credit worthiness, yeah. making sure that you know how you do those assessments, how you think about it, and not burdening customers with credit that they can't afford, you know, yeah. and, and effectively being that sort of, that, having that level of intelligence, you yeah. know, as, as, a, as a professional provider of, of financial products. So I think there was all that stuff there, which which was fine. I think, you know, re, you know the, the reoccurring themes of culture and conduct are, are always there and, and understandably yeah. so. And I think definitely building on the, the consultation paper around con consumer duty, you know, yeah. again, tipping more than a wink to that, which was good. Um, 
I think what was really interesting that was coming out of it was was the how the regulator was starting to position itself, and it, you know, and it's given itself a de- decent time window as well, which suggests that they know it's it's a difficult nut to crack. Yeah. Uh, you know, a three to five year sort of horizon view around how how does it regulate, how does it oversee yeah. all these firms, and you know, this proactive regulation that they talk about, which which is understandable. I think for me, you know, it was interesting to look at how they're going to use data and be more yeah. digitally savvy around that and, and bring that through. And I think we're seeing a lot of that now in terms of how the reg, even doing reg returns in terms yeah. of making that more sort of digitally focused, if you like, bringing that through. And the level of surveys and questionnaires that the FCA are doing, you know, yeah. probably more so now, again, driven by the pandemic, undoubtedly. But equally, it's good intelligence. You, you cover a lot of firms in a way. Uh, and I think as part of that you know the fca again have recognized that a lot of their firms they regulate are very small yeah. um, and provide a range of different services and therefore it's a good way of providing coverage of that and helps them sort of concentrate on those smaller areas yeah. you know to understand where where potential harm is of how those firms are developing and what they do um so I think it was it was a broad and wide ranging thing, and I think was pitched at a level, you know, in terms of, of where it is. But I think certainly, I think some of the interesting points again, and we've touched on it, was with the aspects around um, if you take principle based regulation and outcomes. Again, it's been with us for a while that, but again, that feels pretty apt in this current world in terms yeah. in terms of where we are and the complexities we've talked about. And I guess you know how we. How, how the regulator is going to sort of think about using technology more and more itself to be able to cover it because it is, you know, it's it, like we said right at the very start, it's a tough gig. You've got 60,000 firms to do there and yeah, it's yeah. only a finite amount of resources <laughs> and way of dealing with it. So I think it's still uh, very nicely. I think, again, so it's a sort of borrow a phrase that I used before, the, the devil would be in the detail and see yeah. how this, this, this comes out really. But, yeah, a, a very... A, a, a slight shift and, and nicely sort of setting out how it was starting to think about the world going forward and for over the next three to five years. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think, you know, I think the consumer duty is a really interesting, um, interesting piece that they're trying to achieve. Obviously looking to, to add another principle in there, um, making yeah. sure that, the, you know, the customer's got uh, a lot of information on the products to make an informed decision from from your perspective as as a lender and as a multi-sector lender how do you ensure that that customer does have that level of information that they can make that informed decision is it are you having to change anything or is it just more about an education piece um a a bit of both i mean education is absolutely front and center there you know we 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 do spend a lot of time sort of explaining and understanding making sure the customer understands what it means for them and we you know you know, and again, I've, I've seen this happen a lot, sort of in particular in the mortgage space, is, is keep it really simple, the language. You know, yeah. I think, you know, the good the good lenders and the good brokers that are associated the pro- process have kept it very jargon-free, very very, yeah. very simple to understand, you know, and I think that's paid dividends in that, in that regard. Um, I think, you know, that's certainly been one part of it. And I think sort of, you know, how you sort of educate on the product side of it as well, what the product yeah. is, what it means, is certainly helpful as well. And sort of explaining when you go, for example, through sort of an, an I&E process or an affordability yeah. process, why you're using that, why you're looking for that, you know, 
we're seeing more and more take up of open banking type stuff yeah. solutions. So, so again, why why that's important, why that plays a role, and how you sort of explain that to, to, to a customer. So, and and again, there's a natural. I would say there's still a bit of a natural uh, reservation there in, yeah. in, in with consumers on, on the take up of open banking. I, I think it's it's coming up, and it's definitely a a you know, certainly in theory, at least, a very good principle and good tool to use. I think, it, again, it introduces its own problems as well in terms of of what it, of, of how it comes through. You know, in terms of you, you've got, there's far more data in there, which, again, is, is, is interesting to sort of look at from a lender's perspective and a consumer's perspective. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I, th- I think sort of the ed- the engagement and education and, and is is key to this and keeping it really really as simple as you can really because it, it does get quite complex particularly when you start looking at loan agreements and things like that that customers have to sign it, it does get quite complex so we do try and keep yeah. it that 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 face to face if you like of contact with the customer really really straightforward and simple. Yeah, and I think I think that then. I suppose it leads itself into, you know, the legislation itself. You know, we've got the Consumer Credit Act, which is, you know, a, a very difficult uh, document and piece of legislation to interpret. You know, you have to have certain elements within your statutory documentation, so your consumer credit agreement, you know, your statement of accounts, your notice of some yeah. arrears, etc. But for me, I don't believe that that considers the end consumer very well. You know, the, the jargon, the terminology in there can be so difficult to read that actually, you know, the FCA looks like they're trying to do one thing uh, on, on one hand in terms of, you know, making sure that the product is easily understandable, it's clear, it's transparent, customer knows what they're getting into. And then you've got this piece of legislation which from a, a consumer who doesn't have financial services experience, reading that can just be you know it's terrifying yeah i think that's i think that's a really good point it, it's a tough document to read and understand and, and i think you know like i, I think every every firm i've ever worked for has, has, has gone and got regular and almost routine legal advice yeah. on some of the provisions around it to help understand it and, and and you know and and make a judgment on it you know and it's it's pretty much commonplace that so it shows how complex it is yeah, absolutely. around that and, and and again you see some of that with the FCA's regulation as well you know in, in fairness that you know you will go away and get legal advice yeah. on certain aspects of the rule book to understand what that actually means and and the thinking around it I think I think you know you'll have seen this as much as me but one of the interesting things is that as you try in some ways principle-based and outcome-focused, you know, regulation is there to keep things really simple, to do the right thing, you know, yeah. pretty straightforward. But I think what, what what's, because it's so complex, either the underpinning legislation or the supporting regulation around it, and certainly around lending in particular, yeah. is that what you find is that it's almost like brought a whole nother sort of industry into the fore from like claims management businesses in terms of how they're now interpreting that, yeah, yeah. how they're doing it, and then going, hang on, yep. you could be sold it, you could be this here, you, 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 you know, they've not done affordability correct and everything like that. And, you know, if you're a consumer and, and, and you know, the financial services hasn't had, you know, the, the best of track records over the last number of years in terms of various bits and pieces around yeah. affordability, pensions, people, whatever it is, as a consumer, that, that probably still weighs very much 
you know, in the forefront of the mind, particularly on the back of a financial crisis, which although was sort of 13, 14 years ago, is still fairly recent. Yeah. And you sort of look at it and go, well, hang on a minute. I've, I've, well, I didn't quite understand it when I was getting it. And they've sent me this loan agreement. What? You, and you're telling me that they, they could have done it wrong. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, I, I might be interested in, in sort of pursuing that. And, and again, it's, it, you know, you, it is a tough environment, really, in that regard. And and, I, and again, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to generalise and say all CMCs, but there, there are certainly a number of CMCs who I think of my experience have certainly played on that and played yeah. on that lack of customer understanding and, and created uncertainty or additional uncertainty there. Yeah. And actually, I would also go as far as to say I've probably been a little bit naughty as well in terms of they've they've been a bit fast and loose with getting customers permission or how they've explained it to customers because I've certainly had experiences in, in a range of firms that I've worked for where when you've gone and contacted um, a customer and said you've had this, no, no, that's not what I thought I was having a conversation on, you yeah. know, so, you know, and it's, so it is, yeah, it, it does be, add additional complexity to everything and uncertainty and if you're a consumer and going back to our it's almost like literacy point on this that we just we've chatted about before yeah you know i I feel for a consumer because they must sit there and go god i just i just wanted to borrow some money i just wanted a credit card have have you made a mess of selling me a bloody credit card it can't be that difficult surely to go why why (laughs) is it like buying something off amazon you know and i do feel for for consumers it must be it must be tough yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. So we've obviously you touched on um, it within the business plan that the uh, the regulator stated that they want to be a more proactive regulator, um, which I think is is a good thing. Um, it would be interesting to see how they're going to achieve that. Um, their recent consultation paper looking at uh, regulatory permissions uh, and wanting to be more proactive in terms yeah. of you know if a firm's not using them then they should, shouldn't have yeah. them yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly do do you think do you think that's the first step in in, in proving this proactivity um um, I suppose so. I mean, I'd, I'd not really thought of it that way. I just thought that was a bit of general sort of tied <laughs> up in some ways. Yeah. But, uh, and I think, and I think, I always find it quite interesting because it's it, again, it can be a little bit sort of. It'd be interesting to see if the permissions regime sort of changes a little bit, or whether it, whether 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 it evolves. My, my gut would tell me it probably does need to evolve because people are doing other stuff. Yeah. Now, which and and it, you know, I had a conversation. Um, well, I, I sort of again as one of my other sidelines, sort of with, with businesses that are startups and things like that. And uh, this this is about twelve months ago. I had a had a very interesting conversation with the regulator about permissions, because um, it wasn't particularly clear for what this business was doing, which was in the SME space, mm. uh, whether or not permissions would 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 even be required. And and it took. You know, bless the guy at the FCA. It was it was wonderful. In fairness, quite a way to sort of get his head around what was covered and what was in scope and what was not. So, and that's yeah. the regulator, and you can sort of see how the how the financial services arena is is really sort of developing at pace. And it's almost like, well, if you take the basic permissions, it's like, well, do they need to sort of start to evolve now to sort yeah. of even encapsulate what other firms do? Probably so. Is is, is the answer I would guess. But I, I think there's 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 certainly an aspect there of going well if you, you've not used it therefore you lose them you, you yeah. don't need it you know and i think there's as i say to me there's probably a bit of decent housekeeping to be undertaken there because of how businesses have grown and developed but you're probably right it's probably 
you know, you're probably right in their first step. It's 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 that classic sort of low hanging fruit stuff where you go, well, hang on a minute, guys, you've, you've got these permissions here for lending, but you're not lending. So actually, why do you need them? You know, has your business model changed? Yeah. You know, is it not applicable anymore? And and yeah. and again, I guess it's that proactive regulation, as in let's just get let's get let's get let's do the housekeeping first before we get into any of the most more stuff. So yeah, you you're probably right. I've not quite thought of it in that in that way, but yeah, you're probably right in that regard, Martin. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they go about it. To be fair, obviously, I think certainly from our perspective, um, it's prompted us to look at our permissions because I know yeah. within within the mortgage broker um, gateway business that yeah. we have. Uh, we've got a number of permissions that actually uh, we, we we haven't utilised um, yeah. because the business the business model has changed. So it's prompted us to have a look and think: Do we need them? Let, let's let's do something about it. Um, hopefully, it will prompt firms to do the same thing. Um, but yeah, we don't. Done obviously, I mean, one yeah. of the, one of the, I mean, again, it's just one of the things you do, largely because I'm I'm sort of new in role. But we we had a good look at the permissions we've got here, and you know, and, and there's there's some stuff we're doing where we're looking for a variation on permissions as well, yeah. or an additional permission coming in. So, you know, while we had the proverbial lid up, we we had a, we had a good look around at what we'd got, and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. But I guess as you know, as you, if you're keeping your RBP up to date and you, you're thinking about what you're doing, it's one of those yeah. pieces that you should just think about. Well, this is it. This is our articulation of our business model. You know, have I got the right permissions? That are the permissions that I need? And more to the point for this question or this discussion is, are the permissions on there that I don't need anymore because of how the business has changed? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but I think you know, sixty thousand firms. It'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the FCA approach it. I think it'll be done largely by the reg returns. To be honest, you know, I think yeah. they'll look at where they've had nil yeah. returns for, you know, for months or years. It'll be a decision of actually, if they're nil returning, it means they're not using. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and that's why I say I think they can. I think like most businesses, you can can cover a lot of ground by just getting the, you know, a data download and looking yeah. at it and going, hang on a minute, you've got permissions for this, but you've never done it for for twelve months. Therefore, do you really need it? Yeah. Um, okay, let's have a look at um, let's have a look at the information that comes from the regulator. Then I think you know, like we mentioned before, three hundred million pages of, of of documentation, which is being added to all the time, would suggest that the regulator is quite good at feeding information through uh, and documenting the information. Um, do you think they do enough in terms of helping firms interpret that data? We've talked about obviously getting legal advice a lot uh, and making sure that that legal advice, you know. It, helps us understand what the reg regulator is trying to achieve um but does that indicate that the regulator is not actually giving enough information or the information is too ambiguous to be able to make an informed decision i suppose it depends which side of the equation <laughs> I mean, you know in, in one way you could say yeah you know there's clearly we clearly need to go away and have a think about that and, and we need some more advice on it and, and, and yeah. just challenge the detail on it on the other side you could well argue that because there is that depth and that and, and that amount coming out, that actually, you know, it's prompting those additional questions, yep. you know, and, and it's just a natural byproduct of that. So, so I think it's it really just depends on the individual and the firm and, and the trade body as to how they think about it in some ways. I mean, I, I think my personal view is I, I think the regulator provides a good level of detail on the whole in yep. terms of what comes out. I think... I think if you work in financial services, you, you're pretty clear where the where the FCA stands yeah. and where it stood for a long time or since inception and what it's all about and how it's thinking about things. I think, you know, where we're looking for or where I've been looking for extra clarity is 
I guess just in some of the detail, just on some on certain points, you know, and it's more often than not you can have a pretty good, you know, idea of of, of where their mind is, but you're just looking for that that you know that that so what is is that what you is that what it actually means? And, and you're more just you're more belt and braces on it more than anything else that you don't want to be caught out really. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm generally pretty content with what the FCA sends out, and I think because of the amount of people that tend to get involved in this and the shaping of consultations and regulation, you, you've got a good flavour for where they are. Now, I think there's some things that we saw last year that were being done particularly quickly because of the environment we were in, yeah. that, that there probably were more questions than there would ordinarily be. You know, yeah. I, I, do, do I think the, the FCA's intentions were misplaced? No, I think they're absolutely the right thing to do. They were there to yeah. provide guidance, advice, input, you know, and direction. And I thought they did that pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I think it was going to be a tough job for anybody. I think they did. I think, I think you know, in fact, I think they did a very, very good job in many ways. I just think, you know, I think sometimes the frustration I have is, and I mean, again, last year was an exceptional one in, in, in many ways, but it was just with everything going on, Sometimes some of the stuff that came out, for example, some of the the questionnaires came out. It was yeah. like oh, I, I can just do without this just at this moment in time because <laughs> I've got about fifty seven million other things on that I need to do as well. Yeah, you know. But you know, it was always going to be the case that, that, that you were always going to get you know the questionnaires or a, you know how you know a financial resilience questionnaire. Absolutely understandable, really. Yeah, yeah. So it it was just a, a time pressure and demand thing, really. Um, so I think I think that was you know I think I think it's always going to be the case and I think I think just sort of thinking as as was with chatting I think perhaps one reason why you know firms do tend to go and get additional advice be it legal or otherwise is that it's almost like what's created as part of financial services you know we touched on CMCs before I mean yeah. that's not entirely the answer to this but because of the complexity and the potential challenge that comes off the back of it, uh, you do want to get that clarity there. And I think, from I mean, I've, I've worked in financial services all my working life, and I do feel this last few years it's become far more legally based. Yeah. In terms of doing the, the, the particularly the compliance side of things, yeah. and I think because of that, you, you know, you, you 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 know, I would say even I'm more readily, you know, going looking or considering legal advice now just to make sure I've got. You're almost into that reasonable steps type piece, yeah. if you know. You so well, well, how, how did you think about that? Well, I've done my reasonable steps. I went and got some advice from, you know, this firm of solicitors. They gave me this. This is what we did. Did it? I think I've taken enough reasonable steps there, don't you? Type of thing. And yeah. you do. It, it does drive a certain behaviour. You know, if that helps to drive standards up and everything, that's great. But I do think some of this has led to this sort of more legalistic view of the world, which. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a shame, really. I think, I think, but, but, but probably understandable. No, I, I think, I think you're right. I certainly think some of the impact that the CMCs has had, uh, you know, over the last few years, uh, and some of the, um, some of the, I suppose, big lenders that have had to exit the marketplace because they've got it wrong, does prompt that. You, you almost want that extra layer of of comfort that what you're doing or what you're trying to achieve is correct. Um, and obviously you get that through, like you say, your reasonable steps, being able to show the regulator that these are the steps you took through through your decision-making process. 
um, you know, assists with that. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's a fair show. I mean, as I say, I think, like I say, I think, I probably think, I probably spend more time there thinking of the legal side of it. Yeah. You know, than, than, than what I used to do, you know, just as a natural, you know, on, on the compliance side. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm not a qualified lawyer, you know, I, I do tend to go and get that expert opinion. And, you know, and I think it's, I think it's an interesting sort of world we live in in terms of because I think you know while the legal fraternity are very very good at what they do and, and understand it I think they might I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they're having the same challenges in terms of how they're yeah. shaping their thinking around it because again it's not none of these things are black and white you know that it's it's all shades of grey and judgment at the end of the day yeah no I completely agree yeah I completely agree uh, and I think you know there are so many different nuanced firms out there now you know take us for example you know we do standby servicing um for, for a lot of funders uh, and a lot of clients um but obviously we, there's certain regulatory permissions that we look to to achieve to to be able to facilitate the accounts should an invocation happen um but again when we went through a variation of permissions and the fca didn't didn't fully understand the standby servicer role um, so it was interesting, you know, we went on that that education journey with the FCA to to help them understand what it is we're trying to achieve, what we do, how we facilitate, etc. Um, and came to the point that obviously the, the permissions that we had were correct for what we wanted to do, which is brilliant, which is great, which is what we wanted to achieve. Um, but I think there are so many different types of firms out there offering su such a variation of products um that the re regulator has to adapt and this proactivity is, is really important for them because they have to adapt to that different type of firm yeah i, I think I, you know i think he's right and, and you know me and you've talked before about this but you know what one firm i worked for you know was not particularly complex but in some ways got caught in the complexity of the regulation possibly yep. and and it was an interesting debate with the regulator over you know, where they're covered by this red piece of regulate or this regulation and required these permissions, or were they covered, or were they, did they fall into this regime and needed these permissions, or were they a bit of both? Yeah. And, and, and we ended up, you know, getting some legal advice on it, which sort of suggested we were a bit of both. Went to the FCA, and then you can sort of see the FCA going, wow, you know, this the, the, the sort of the whole financial services ecosystem has started to change so much that yeah. actually this is a lot more complex now because of how we've got our rules and how we're thinking about it. That, you know, even we should, we even even we'll need to take some sort of legal counsel on this just to make sure we're on the right side of, of what yeah. we're thinking. And, and, and you sort of get to that point in the end, you know, I, I do feel for them. You know, I think they've got, I think they do, a, you know, a pretty good job. I think they've done a fantastic job you know, sort of post the financial crisis in terms of what they've done, you know, yeah. and they've really changed the sort of the shape and the focus and the culture of financial services and probably got more to do. But they've got a hell of a job in terms of the number of firms and the complexities and different things. And, and then again, how that how that whole rule book evolves is going to be interesting yeah. because the, the sort of the, the use and the burden on tech and data now you know, I would expect more of that to start coming through in terms of of the rules and, and, and the principles that underpin it, you know, and, and again, as you know, both you and I have touched on around the, the customer duty thing, you know, the, the extension or the rewriting of principle six, yeah. you know, it gives a good flavour for that as well in terms yeah, of absolutely. where the thinking is really. So it's, look, I think it's, it's easy to criticise any regulator, don't get me wrong, you know, and and sometimes rightly so, but I think 
the, the, the heart's in the right place to try and do the right things. You know, and they've got, you know, frankly, a, a hell of a job, you know, yeah. dealing with that level of, and that breadth of firm that they have to deal with. And also the certain activities that take place that are outside of their direct control as well. Yeah. You know, the tech sort of outsourcing and third party suppliers as well. And what all that means, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. It's a tough job to be honest with you. And, yeah. I, you know, and I, and I think, I think overall, I think they do, they do a pretty good job, you know, in terms of where they need to get to. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You know, I think, you know, like, like you've mentioned before, since the financial crisis, I think uh, the level of stability that they've they brought to, to the sectors, you know, I think has been good. You know, we've seen, uh, we've seen lenders exit the marketplace because of, you know, one thing or another, which I don't think has been a bad thing, to be honest. Um, no, no. I think, it, I think it's identified that, you know, there are weaknesses and, and the firms that are unable to adapt or have, you know, systemic issues probably don't deserve to be in the sector, don't deserve to be regulated. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, yeah, there's a lot of information that comes. Um, you know, there's a lot that a compliance department has to do and we have to adapt to quickly. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. No, and it's, and it's always going to... I don't see it going away. I don't. You know, I just think there'll be more of it. And you know, we we could have this conversation again in twelve months' time. And, and instead of it being three hundred and fifty million pages, it might be five hundred yeah. million pages. Let's hope not. But um, I, I do. I, I mean, I do sort of look at it and think, you know, is there a point where you suddenly go, without being sort of a bit melodramatic about it, is, it, do you sort of start again a little bit? Yeah. You know, and, and take a step back and go right. What what's the permissions regime look like? And, and a lot of it would read across don't get me wrong you wouldn't be throwing it all away but do you just do you need does the rule book need to get a bit more sophisticated and go well if you're a payment services business it looks like this there's already payment services and e-money regulation around that but as a payment provider do you need something more specific for you yeah. what's the difference between that and b cops in some ways or m cops it's yeah. that type of thing you know and and then you look at stuff around technology and data and everything like that so that may well come. I don't know, but you yeah. know, I wouldn't be surprised given how things are moving at pace. Well, you know, they've shown they can do it. You know, they, they did it with the approved persons and SMCR regime, yeah. Uh, yeah. and they did that, you know, very effectively. Um, and yeah. that seems to be, you know, it seems to be running well. And you know, I know, I know the firms that we work with, uh, you know, they've got the, the all integrated, and you know, it all seems to be working fine. It does for our business as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they've proved that they can do wholesale changes. Yeah, I think so. And and again, it may be that, I mean, this is a, a longer running piece, but, I, you you know, like you say, you want to be a more proactive regulator. Well, yeah. that, you know, like you said about looking at permissions, whether whether this sort of comes in terms of how you, even the basic construct of the of the handbook, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me thinks that that would logically come because if you're a, a payments business, do you, do you want some guidance in terms of, of what you do with it? And if you're a, I don't know if you're if you're into small business lending, and then again, how do you cover that? Do you need a sort of separate standalone piece for that that sort of says this is these are some of the things that are the nuances in your particular sector and segment yeah. that, that you deal. You know, it may get that way, but the other side to that is by putting more into it, you create more complexity. So you you're a bit damned if you do. Yeah, yeah. You really, I suppose. You know, I think we've had a really good discussion there. Um, been some really good points raised and you know thank you very much for your time today it's been fantastic no my pleasure martin uh, good to speak thank you 
We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from our Without Boundaries series. If any of the topics resonated with you today, do get in touch by emailing withoutboundaries at equinity.com or for more information, visit our website, equinity.com and check back soon for more podcasts.